the spirit of um, what we're sharing can be conveyed to them so that the spirit of God, because God is into family, God wants to make sure that every single one of us is touched. Do we have any of the intercessors in this house here? Okay. Okay, those of you that are intercessors, I want to give you an assignment. For the next one month, one month, I want you to create a strategy to pray concerning this new construction. Okay? So, you could walk around it and you just start speaking to the new construction. Start blessing the new construction. <clears throat> there is an angel of commission that has been released over this church. It's an angel of commission. Every commissioned that God commissioned, anything that he commissioned, there is an angel that is assigned to it to protect it and to make sure that the plan of the enemy doesn't happen. It's very important. There is an angel that is commissioned to you. Oftentimes we say assigned to you. It's commissioned to you to make sure that the will of the Father is done. So you either put that angel to walk or you just get him to remain comfortable. But there is a huge angel that is commissioned to Livingston with a sword itself over this church. You have to put the angel to use. Okay? If you have a servant that is assigned to you and you don't use them and all you do is your might and strength, it's not God's fault. The job is to make sure that the will of God is done. Very important, you can look at things from the physical and you can believe that because everything looks nice, everything looks good. And that's the way that the enemy deceives the believer. You have to always see from the spirit to the physical. You don't see from the physical to the spirit. That's not the way it is designed. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You just live in a body. The real you is a spirit. So you function from the spirit realm. No, the Bible says, no, no, no man after the flesh. You have to know people by the spirit. And for you to know people by the spirit, you have to know how to ascend from the spirit realm. Are you listening to me? So there is an angel that is commissioned, standing huge, whose head you can't even see, with just a sword in his hand. This house, if you are part of this house, you are in a blessed place. Okay? Very important. You are in a blessed place. A place that I don't know, for some reason, God creates, it's almost like a line that has been drawn for this very house. This is a generational house. 
But the enemy is going to fight. Because anything God builds, the enemy is going to fight. So intercessors pray against scandal. Okay? Scandal. Blackmail. When the enemy cannot touch you, the enemy will try to put black mark on you. Okay? So if you are an intercessor in this house, let that be part of your prayer. That's why I said earlier that these three areas of ministries have to be very functional in the church. Don't use your mind in a lot of stuff. I know you're intelligent. Sometimes we use our intelligence too much until we move God away from it. Some trust in chariots and then some in horses. But we, 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 we don't trust in chariots and in horses. We will remember the name of our God and the name of our Lord is a strong tower. Chariots and horses is strength and might. Zechariah 4, 6 is our strength and might. Don't trust in it. That does not mean God did not give you them, but don't trust in it. It will disappoint you. There is a might of the spirit that you have to learn to trust so that the result of the spirit can be your portion, okay? So get your booklet out now. Let's address the specific spirit we're addressing. The spirit of weariness. It's a strong spirit. It attacks the corporate, and then it attacks the individual. But it begins with the individual before the corporate. So if it touches you and touches you and touches me, then it touches everything. And because we are family or have a family mentality, it is easy for this spirit to affect everyone or affect areas of ministries itself. And the spirit, the tendency is to create hopelessness, is to give in and to give up and to throw in the towel. And all of a sudden, you don't want to function like you used to function. Now, I want to read a couple of things. I want you to track with me because there are specific things in the booklet I cannot adequately explain with my words alone that you have to hear, which is key. Uh, chapter 1, Second Corinthians 3, verse 13. And as for you, brethren, do not become weary or lose heart in doing right, but continue in well-doing without weakening. Now, the thing with the Amplified Translation, one of the reasons I love the Amplified Translation is, is the translation that is more closer to the Greek and to the Hebrew. So, if you don't want to be a Greek student or Hebrew student, it is easy to really understand the Bible more with the Amplified Translation because it expresses more of the Greek position or the Hebrew position. 
The word there, weakening, is very key. Because that is one of the major intentions of this spirit. Now notice, what does it mean to grow weary? Be not weary in well-doing. The word from which this word weary comes is a very expressive word. It comes from a Greek word which literally means a beating. A beating, okay? How many times have you said for various reasons, I'm beat, I'm beat, I can't go another step? And then how many times have you said such or heard it said? What did you mean by that? You meant by that that you were so weary, that you were so tired, and in some instances that you were so discouraged that you just absolutely did not have another ounce of strength with which you will continue. Now, just going a little down, notice the second paragraph. What does this compound word, well-doing, means? It comes from two Greek words. One of them means to do, the other means good. It simply means to do good, okay? Now, there are two words for good in the Greek New Testament. The, the other is a word which speaks of something that is intricately good. There are no limitations as to what it may be, but which is intricately good, which creates a good effect is the thing in which we should be constantly interested and concerning which we should never grow weary. Now, I want you to pay attention to the next paragraph, okay? Oh, I thought you put it on the screen. Pay attention to the next paragraph. These words, be not weary in well-doing, are words of caution, of a temptation, a temptation to give up, a temptation to quit, underline that, a temptation to stop before the work is finished. Okay? Before the work is finished. It is a very real temptation that Paul was very much concerned about. And the reason the temptation is so real is because this temptation or this spirit is backed by the spirit of divination. Okay? It is backed by the spirit of divination. And the spirit of divination, very key, the spirit of divination, like I said, is the python spirit. And the python spirit's intention is for you to get to the point where you give up and give in concerning whatever assignment God has called you to do. Now, if you go just little down, just little down to the last statement there, the devil traps more of God's children through weariness than through any other kind of temptation. And what the enemy does is, it makes it not to be very harmful. But in reality, the enemy is behind it and takes advantage of it. Now, 
if you look at page two, there is a difference between tiredness and what? Weariness. So many Christians do not recognize the difference between tiredness and weariness. And the enemy intention is to make you believe what you are going through is just a tiredness and not weariness. We get tired. And when you get tired, what you do is you either sleep or you eat or you take your vitamin or you rest or whatever it is and you recuperate. But weariness has nothing to do with the external. Weariness has to do with internal. The strength of your pursuit has nothing to do with your external. It's your inside. You can look strong and then have a fainted heart. And you can quit so easy itself. So when the enemy attacks you through the spirit of weariness, he's attacking the strength of your heart so that you become hopeless, you give in, and you quit. When, uh, when, when God instructed Nehemiah to build, part of the attack against Nehemiah and the people were the spirit of weariness. Tobias and Sambalat and all of the typologies of the enemy, they, what they were trying to do was to wear out the people of God so that the people of God can quit the building itself. There is what is known as a mocking spirit, a mocking spirit. The enemy can literally mock what you are doing or what God called you to do so that you begin to look at what you are called to do, not to be effective. And then you end up quitting and not believing on the strength of what God called you to do itself. Now, please look at page three. Page three. Look at the last paragraph. Being tired is natural, okay? Being tired is natural. Now, this is within the context of 1 Samuel chapter 30, 1 to 6, 6 to 9. And the context there was about Israel fighting the Amalekites. And Moses was on the mountain while the men were fighting. But the Bible says that every time Moses and was uh, lifted that Israel were winning the war, right? Okay? But every time his hands was uh, lowered, I'm sorry, uh, uh, David, I'm sorry. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 to 6, uh, 9 to 10. Now, this is David, but I'm talking about the contest of Moses fighting. So every time Moses lifted up his hand against Amalek, guess what happened? They won. Every time the hands was lowered, guess what? They lose. So what did Aaron and Or did? What they did was to come alongside, to undergird him, and make sure that the hand itself stays lifted up, okay? But you can do that when you are weary. 
You wouldn't be able to lift up your hand in battle when you are weary. And the enemy then takes advantage. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, we see the case of David himself. Came back home, went through the home being burned down, the men thinking of, uh, of, of killing him, and all of the discouragement. And David inquired of the Lord, Should I pursue? If I pursue, we will recover. And God said, Pursue, and you will recover. And the Bible says there were 600 men that began the journey. 400 of them were able to go forward, and 200 of them got weary. 200, imagine if you have a 3,000 members congregation, and, uh, you know, in the 3,000 members congregation, the enemy attacks at least 1,000 members and get them to become weary. Now, what happens is the weariness begins to affect the other individuals. And as it affects the other individuals, people begin to lose hope. They begin to throw in the towel. And the strength of their belief and confidence is not as strong as they supposed to be. Now, I want to read to you chapter 2. Okay? Daniel 7, verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the sense of the most high. He shall wear out the sense of the most high. He shall wear out the sense of the most high and shall think to change the times. The enemy begins with weariness and once he wore you out, he changes the times and then and changes the law. You can't change a law without changing the times or the season itself. Now, seasons are pockets of time that the Holy Spirit introduces into your life to accomplish an agenda. So when the enemy changes the time, and this is what he does, when weariness comes in, he changes the time based on the dimension of what God has intended for you, and he changes the laws of it. Now you are being governed by a different law itself. And I'm going to explain this to you tomorrow in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 to 2. There are two laws that governs, actually three, uh, that governs the heavens and one of them is the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus and the law of sin and death. These are laws that governs it. So when the enemy brings weariness to you and he warns you out, what he does is it changes the times and then it changes the laws that takes place and the enemy now can operate against you with the law of sin and death itself. Now it's interesting, chapter 2 says, beware of the spirit of Amalek. Okay, the spirit of Amalek is a weary spirit. Sometimes our tiredness is not a natural tiredness. Sometimes it has a demonic source, and we must be quick to recognize its source and strategy to derail our destiny in order to deal with it swiftly. 
So Daniel 7.25 warns us that the enemy will attempt to wear out the sense. That's what he's going to do. To wear out the sense. So we must not allow the spirit of weariness to take us out. I know of leaders and believers that have quit God. They just walk away from God because of this spirit. Without even understanding what is going on, even in their own lives itself, the enemy takes advantage of it and walk on you. Even I, as a leader, I have to constantly protect myself because there are moments of disappointment. There are moments of hurt. There are moments of difficulties that the enemy takes advantage of. The enemy goes back and forth and he looks for moments in your life that he can take advantage of and wear you out. And once he wears you out, his agenda is to make sure that the purposes of God is derailed. The enemy knows he can't defeat you, but the best way to defeat you or to defeat God is to make sure that you aren't accomplishing anything that God called you to do. All right? You know, when, when the demonic spirit that I told you about in Australia, when, they, when he was sharing it, I was so mad. Because I never will forget at the beginning of our ministry, for maybe several, maybe months, when we, you know, at the beginning of our ministry, a, a period of months, I will go to church, I will preach. And I mean, signs, wonders, miracles will happen. And I will go back home and I will lay on the couch. I will be so down. I mean, when I say down, I will be so discouraged. And uh, my wife of 35 years, this is what she will do. She will walk in there and she will point her hands to me. And she will say, you are a man of God. You are called by God. The grace of God is upon your life. And I mean, it, it, it's like someone bringing an electric, you know, chuck. And she say, God called you. And the anoint." And I would get up, and it would just go on. I go to church, and I would minister. People are getting healed. People are getting delivered. And I would go back, and it just went on. And what the enemy was trying to do was to wear me out. That which was once attractive, he was about to make it not to be attractive. Because once it wears you out, the next thing that you do is to voluntarily walk away from it. You just walk away from it. Or you may still be a part of it, and yet you've detached. I mean, you're going through the motion, I'm there, but it's obvious that your heart it's not as connected to the thing like it used to be connected. Hear the word of the Lord. If you are in this funk, you have to know that the spirit of divination, 
is in charge and you can break it. She didn't have to lay hands on me. I mean, she just laying there. She said, I'm not going to disturb you, but I want you to know she wasn't talking to me. She was talking to whatever it is that was trying to oppress me. Please hear me. It doesn't matter. You may be a bishop. You may be a this. You may be a that. It doesn't matter. The spirit of weariness will come to you. And you need to be able to realize and say, hey, I'm, I'm not going down. No, 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 no. If you have to get up and pace and begin to speak in tongues and build yourself and recite hope and confidence in you over and over and over to break that chain. If you don't do that, the enemy takes advantage of you. So when I see it in people, it's very easy. I love my job. I'm telling you, I love what I'm doing. I could keep you here for 10 hours. I love it. Talking about God, talking about Jesus, laying hands on people. But you see, when the spirit of weariness come on you, that which you love, you no more loves it. Because the enemy knows, I can't defeat him. I cannot overcome him. I was defeated by Christ. Uh, he knows the principle. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to wear him down that he will walk away from the very thing that he wants to believe in, the very thing that was once attractive to him, and I will give the impression as if my fingerprint is not involved in it, that it was just all of his decisions. But not knowing in the spirit realm, I've already orchestrated everything and put everything in place. But because you lack a level of discernment and don't understand that this is the working of the enemy, the enemy takes advantage of you. That is why the most sophisticated weapon against weariness is the spirit of discernment. That spirit of discernment it's one of the most sophisticated weapons you've been given. That the very moment you sense it, there is an alarm that goes on inside of you. I know you. I know you. <laughs> I know what you're trying to do. I know. And immediately you impose certain discipline on yourself. The discipline may be a fast, a one-day fast for yourself. The church did not call for the fast. A two-day fast for yourself. Whatever discipline. And sometimes you just need to take time to yourself and just get into the world again. And get into prayer again. Because you know you're losing your hedge. You're becoming discouraged. You're feeling a sense of hopelessness now. You didn't used to feel this before. Everything looked kind of foggy. Kind of foggy. Kind of foggy. Your focus is broken. You get irritated so quickly. You're easily anxious. These are signals. Don't freak out or don't panic. Take some time. Get yourself into God's word again. Feed your spirit so that you can regurgitate all of this stuff that the enemy is trying to put on you. There's no easy way of working with God. No easy way of working with God. It's not like when you get higher in God, things are simple. No. You fight devils. 
I mean, sometimes I got a pace in the night. Leko bruga I go into territories. I'm fighting devils. And you ask yourself, can't I take a break? Can I just have one day of break or two days of vacation? You know, we are, uh, no, you, you, because, because you are a target, there's a bullseye on you. And you have to live your life that way knowing that you, 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 you and me is the same thing. That the enemy looks for, the enemy looks for an opportunity to get to God and the way he gets to God is through you. He knows you the apple of his eyes. He knows if he touches you, he touches God. So he said, God, I'm going to touch you, but I'm going to touch your people. And God gets so excited when he sees men and women who understand authority and power. And when you are demonstrating authority and power, there's an excitement that comes on him. I remember I was in Malaysia. I love, I, lo I just love the Asia, the Pacific area. And I travel there every year. We'll be going, going back there again this year. And I was in Malaysia. I, I went to Singapore first. I did a meeting. And when I did the meeting, then uh, I flew to Kuala Lumpur. And every time I go to Kuala Lumpur, the battle. And I know that the enemy is trying to, trying to describe it. Don't come to this territory. Okay, drive everywhere. Don't come to it. Like a bully. Like a bully in the neighborhood. You could drive all around, but don't come here. And so what we began to do, once we're, and when you know the Asia area, some of the demons in Asia area is very strong. I mean, they worship various spirits there in Asia. They worship, I mean, really strong. So I got to Kuala Lumpur, and they drove me two hours to a place called Ipoh. I-P-P-O. So I got to Ipoh. And the moment I land, the moment I land, I mean, the devil won't give you even a space to breathe. The moment I land, put, put, begin to put my stuff together, the attack began. From there to the United States, with all of the stuffs and all of that, it would take you almost 28 hours. Went through Japan, all of those. I go to service and I'm praying. The sick are here. He is open and all that. But I mean, I am. I am under this attack. I will go to my room. My sons were in their room and they, they didn't even know. I will go to my room and I will just. So I called my office. And they said, okay, let's find a flight to get you home. No flight. They couldn't get me home. In the second night, the devil showed up. Said, I'm going to kill you now. Said, I'm going to kill you here. Now that's when you have to fight. Okay? And when you're fighting, you're not fighting by your strength. Because there is an angel that is commissioned. He's commissioned for you. So I remember all night, time difference, all night, I, I just began, I just, I just pray. And I got, I got to wake up to do a meeting, and I pray, and I go through, chew, 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 chew. 
Then I go to the meeting. Miracles are happening. Yeah, I go through again. And I remember it was almost the last night of the service. And I would lay, I can't lay flat on the bed. I would, I would lay and I would be praying. And I would call my wife. My wife said, how are you doing? I said, I'm fine, I'm fine. I said, I'm fine. And as I was sleeping right in the middle of the night, as I was worrying, here come this happened. The snake shows up. And it just strikes. I don't know who was there. I mean, it strikes so. You know, when they strike to put a fan, and someone just, just pushed me back. Just like that. Pull me back and strike back. Just as that was over, everything was gone. Just like that. I mean, you would think it was magic. Whatever I was going through just vanished. And I remember calling my wife. I said, honey, we got the victory. I mean, I couldn't get up. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. Just as that, just like the power of God came in. But that was the demonic spirits. And hear me, please hear me. It is important to understand the dimension of the spirit. To some of you, this may sound strange. And I pray it's not strange to you. But there is a dimension of the spirit that you must understand. There are conditions in your body that is as a result of a demonic infliction. That is not really a condition. It is a demonic attachment. So when we get rid of that demonic spirit, guess what? The condition leaves. What keeps it there is that spirit itself. But once you become enlightened to understand spirit life itself, I was in Houston, and I was praying for sick people, and there was this uh, lady, pretty lady, for almost 10 years. She had a condition in her neck, in her shoulder, that no doctor could help her. And she was in the healing line, and all I was trying to do was to lay hands and pray for her, and immediately I saw a little bird. Just a black bird that you can't see with your eyes, except you see in the spirit, was standing on her shoulder. That little black bird was what was responsible for the condition she's been having. And in the name of Jesus, get out from my shoulder. I mean, she got just like that here. And she said, I'm going to come to New York to come to your church. I said, no, no, no. Stay in Houston. But she had that condition, but it was a demonic spirit. Are you still breathing here? Yeah? Yeah. 
That's why Jesus would say, you spirit of infirmity. You spirit of this. Meaning that there is a spirit behind it that binds it or attach it to you to make sure that it remains with you. If you take care of the spirit part, you can work out the physical part. Say this with me. I hear you, Lord. Now look at Look at the causes of weariness, page 9. The causes of weariness. The first cause is sorrow. These are avenues that the spirit of weariness easily comes in. Sorrow. Sometimes weariness is the result of sorrow. We are accustomed to think that sorrow always does good, makes the sufferer better, and sweetens the spirit. But there are many who faint under chastisement instead of getting blessing and good from their trouble. They are hurt by it. When we experience sorrow, beloved, make sure you read this booklet. One of the avenues that the spirit of weariness comes in is through sorrow. And many times, if you don't understand this, the enemy will use your sorrow to actually invite this spirit in, and that sorrow will cause you to become hopeless. You give in, you give up, and you can begin to accuse God of things that has nothing to do with God. I mean, you may come to church and you smile and you look good, but you are weary inside. Inside, there is no sustaining strength in you because what you have experienced itself, you know, is something that you're weary looking forward to experience. That's why there's a book I wrote. It's called Contending with Disappointment. How you contend with disappointment. How you are able to process disappointment so that you don't get to the place of sorrow and sorrow doesn't open the door to weariness. Let me tell you, if you've met someone that have actually experienced this, it takes a lot to restore them back to God. It takes a lot of power to restore because there are contradictions in their mind and in their emotion, contradiction to change those contradictions and to come to the place to believe that God is integral. What do you mean if God is integral? If he was integral, why did this happen? If he was so integral, why didn't he do this? If he was so integral, the enemy comes. This is the enemy. He comes in. He comes in. That's why when you see the book of Job himself, even Job's wife, the closest covenant person to Job, well, just cause God and die. 
I mean, with all the stuff that he was going through. But Job had to keep blessing God. Just keep blessing God. Keep blessing God. Keep blessing God. He just kept blessing God. Keep blessing him. I don't feel like blessing him because the enemy wants me not to bless him. But I just keep blessing him that God, you are good. You are faithful. I love you, God. Hallelujah. And what you are doing is you are actually using the weapon to deal with the enemy concerning the spirit of weariness coming in. The spirit of weariness is not tiredness. You can sleep all night, rest all night, eat well, and be weary in you because there is no hope, no confidence. I don't believe God anymore. I don't believe God anymore. And that, that was what the man, the head of the occult was saying. You know, one of the churches, one by one, all of the leadership said, I don't want to do this anymore. And the entire church closed down in Australia. Because, I mean, to find out that one of the leading singers in one of the popular uh, churches woke up one day and said, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't believe in this. Wait a minute. For years you've sung. You've told us about how good God is. You've led people to Christ. What happened overnight? What just happened? And sometimes people don't understand that it is very demonic. It will not happen in living stone. The hand of the Lord reside upon this house. This is a generational house. But the enemy will try to attack you with wearing, and there may be some of you here. Or you may know someone. The night hours are critical hours before you go to bed. There is what you know as the hunters of the night, like an hunter. The hunters that hunt, the hunters of the night. They hunt. Demonic spirits, they hunt in the night. While you're going to bed to sleep, your responsibility is to make sure before you put your head on your pillow and sleep, you have to take authority over the night hours. You have to control the night so that you can control your day itself. Because everything that happens in the day begins in the darkness. So you have to have the authority over the night hours and speak to those spirits. Because in the night hours, those are the times that impartations take place. Because there aren't any activity that is exercised by your spirit. So an impartation is taking place. Unwilling impartation. Unwilling impartation takes place as you go to sleep. You were fine and you got up with a headache. Now this is real. Remember, uh, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago. We were sleeping with my wife. We were on the bed sleeping. I probably was enjoying the sleep. And 
At some point, I noticed my knees here just gave out. I was fine before I went to bed. And I said, ah. I touched it. it was I said, okay, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you did. But I just want to tell you, when I came to bed, it was fine. So when I wake up from my sleep, make sure it's fine. Like I had it when I went to bed. In the name of Jesus. Went to sleep, woke up, and my knees was fine. Because they are on us of the night. On us. These are demonic spirits. The times of darknesses, the enemy comes in and then he inflicts things. Sometimes he visits you with dreams that are negative. He imposes things on your health. And if you don't know how to take authority before you go to bed, you take authority over every functional spirit. Tonight, you foul spirit, not just one night, let it become a pattern of how you live your life. It is part of spiritual warfare so that the enemy don't impose itself on you. Because when the enemy successfully imposes itself on you, then he's able to bring defeat to you. Now look at the second one, disappointment. Disappointment is another avenue through which weariness comes in. And then you look at page 11, discouragement. You open the door to the enemy through discouragement. You look at page 12. Getting so caught up in the natural side of ministry that you spend less time with the Lord. And this is very critical. You, you, you give so much time to the ministry, but you spend less time with the Lord. If you, if you want power with man, you have to first have power with God. Okay? So your relationship with God is a big deal. And the enemy can take advantage of the fact that you just, you know, spend so much time with ministry, but you don't give time to building your spirit. That is, you must be able to have time that you set aside with the Lord. Normally, if you have a busy time, you should wake up early. I'm an early morning waker. I wake up very early in the morning so that I can devote a lot of time to my prayer, to my spiritual discipline, so that when I enter into the days, I have a control over whatever spirits that you will encounter. But also when you go to bed, you want to make sure that the spirit of the enemy that is planned against you doesn't get manifested. Page 12, I'm sorry, page 13. The next is losing your first love. Your passion for your calling comes 
out of your passion for the Lord. When you've lost your edge, the spirit of weariness come in. The next is looking at what is going on around you in the natural rather than keeping your eyes on him. Then you have self-consciousness. Then you have comparing yourself with others. And these are all avenues through which the enemy comes in and weariness just comes over you. Remember, tiredness and weariness are two different things. Go with me to page 21, which is chapter 5. Okay, you could read chapter 4 yourself. Chapter 5. Ephesians chapter, three, uh, chapter 5, verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And this is a continuity, bless you. And this is a continual thing. This is an everyday thing. To make sure you are filled with the Spirit. Your gas tank is never empty, okay? Spiritual weariness or depletion is not a problem in itself. In fact, the awareness of our spiritual weariness is an opportunity to reposition ourselves in God. The problem with weariness is when you don't know that you are getting weary. And then the enemy comes in and takes advantage of it. When you know there are signs of spiritual weariness, when you know these signs are coming, your responsibility is to now position yourself and create a spiritual discipline. So look at some of the signs of spiritual weariness. Okay, Number one, page 22. Giving while you are empty. You are empty, but you are giving all. You are empty. You have to know when your spiritual tank is empty. And what happens when you are empty? You got to refill. You know, fasting and prayer to me is a daily occurrence. It's a daily occurrence because I have to stay in spiritual shape at every time itself so that you can actually keep your edge together. Now, if you don't stay in spiritual shape, you can't keep your edge together. If you give everything you got and you are empty, you need something to strengthen you and to be able to wage war against the enemy. Number two, serving out of duty. When we serve, we are to serve, loving what we do. Okay? When I teach, preach, when you sing, when you worship, when you are in the parking lot, whatever area of responsibility, you do it with the whole of your heart. When you find yourself doing something out of duty, it is a sign that you are beginning to get weary. Because uh, we do things out of the joy of it. You know, when I have to come to minister and live here and go to Australia and do 10 sessions, 10 sessions with the church there itself. 
Well, I could, I could do it out of duty or do it knowing that I love this because I'm doing it unto God. And when you approach it that way and your heart is involved, there is a grace that comes upon you. And the Spirit of God undergirds you and then strengthens you. Number three, our faith is no longer contagious. Your faith is no longer contagious. Number four, God feels so distant from you. Have you ever been there? God forbid that you ever experience it. That it just seems like God feels so distant from you. Number five, our spiritual life is in a rut. Number six, a contributing event. Number seven, negative thinking. All of these are part of what the enemy uses as signs of weariness. Now, when you look, let's look uh, at chapter 6, which is really, and then chapter 7. These two chapters are very, very critical. Combating spiritual weariness. Break the blame circle. Break the what? The blame circle. Don't point your finger to the devil. The first thing we do is the devil is the problem. The devil is always the problem for everything. <laughs> but the truth is the devil never began it. Uh, for some reason, we open a door. And so because the door is open, the enemy took advantage of that door. The, then the enemy came in. And all of a sudden, the enemy became the problem. But the problem is that a door was open. So break the blame circle if you really want to deal with it. Number two, recognize your deepest need. Recognize your deepest need. And then number three, stop deferring what you're supposed to do. Now, I want you to take the time to read this, uh, but you stop deferring what you're supposed to do. Procrastination is the weapon that is easily used by the enemy against you in aspect of your life. So whatever the Holy Spirit lays on your heart, you need to do it. You know, I, 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 was, um, I was with my wife just last week, and um, we, we were going towards the train in New York. We have subways. And she was going to check on something in the subway. She said, okay, I should accompany her. So I accompanied her. And while we were coming back, there was this lady that was begging for money. You know, begging for food. I normally don't like to give uh, people money that are begging unless I feel it in my spirit. I have to sense that the Holy Spirit was leading me. Okay? And so, when, once the Holy Spirit is leading me, I make sure that I give them. So, on this occasion, we walked past, uh, I saw this sign, we walked past, and we were going, and the Holy Spirit said to me, you must go back, and you must go to bless her. She wasn't begging. She just put a sign. So I said to the Holy Spirit, I said, oh, man. <laughs> no. I said, man, I don't have any cash on me. And the Holy Spirit said very clear. He said, your wife has your wallet. 
See, I thought I was escaping. Oh, and there wasn't any cash on me. I said, oh, man, I would have loved to do this, but I don't have any cash on me. The Holy Spirit said, your wife has your wallet. So I ran to my wife. I said, can you give me my, uh, my wallet? And she, she gave me. Now, we were far away from the train now. So I took the money from her wallet, and I had to walk all the way back, walk all the way back looking for this woman. And she was there not begging and just put a sign there. And I took a lump sum and I put it in her hands. She looked at me. The people around were looking at me. My concern wasn't her. It wasn't the people looking at me. It was I just obeyed God. I did not put off. Oh, I do it. The next, day, the next time, if I ever come around this area, if I see her, I'm going to give her money. Or if I see somebody else, he says to her. So I have to inconvenience myself, come all the way back. And to other people, they're looking at me. What are you doing? And just dump it. But there was this relief in me. There was this joy in me that I can't describe to anyone. A peace that came on me just like that because I obeyed him. And to someone, probably to you, it may not be a big deal. But to me, so much a big deal because I was able to respond to God without postponing it or deferring that act of instruction that he gave to me. And that is very, very important. Stop deferring. When the Holy Spirit wakes you up, and he will do, 2 o'clock in the morning, 1 o'clock, and he will never wake you up at a comfortable moment. Because if it is comfortable, why does he need to wake you up? He wakes you up when you really want to sleep. He wakes you up, you know, when you don't want to be bothered. It's almost like at those times that you don't desire, he actually overrides your feelings to say, obey me. And it is at those moments when you obey him, you begin to see results. And there have been many, many times I could go on and share with you. I was on the flight on business class going to London, England, and, uh, and I noticed this husband and wife. You know, uh, the wife was sitting somewhere else, and uh, the husband was sitting somewhere else. I love my seat where they placed me in. I love it so much. So I already prepared myself. I, I ain't giving this to anyone. You know, just arrange my blanket and all of that to sleep. And then the Holy Spirit says, well, you are going to give your seat to this uh, guy so that this guy can be with the wife. I say, Lord, if he asks, I will do. <laughs> if he asks me, I will do. But if he doesn't ask, I'm not going to do it. Now, I'm trying to give an excuse, you know, and all of that. I, I say, get up from your seat, give your seat to him, you know, and take his seat. I said, okay, just talk to him. And if he asks me. But I knew exactly all I was trying to do was different. Then he told him, I said, okay. I said, excuse me, will you like to sit? Will he like to take this seat? Hoping that he will say, oh, no, 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 no. He said, 
Yes, thank you. <laughs> and I went to take his seat. And sometimes you may not see an immediate result. But when you obey God, there is something that you have won in the spirit. There is something that has been activated on your behalf. And many times we want to see the result to really believe it. No, just obeying God, not deferring it. Just This is what God said. I don't know why he said it, why I needed to do this for you, but I'm just doing this for you, and I'm glad that I had the privilege to just obey God. Thank you, Jesus. And as far as I'm concerned, that is enough for me. Hallelujah. Number four, reconnect with God. Reconnect with God. Say this with me, reconnect with God. You know, sometimes you can be in the fellowship of God and disconnect. Number five, ask God to refill you again. Okay? This I do constantly. I ask him, refill me again. Now, number six, page 28, review and then refocus. Hallelujah. Now, Page 29, you look at some of the keys to gaining victory over weariness in the ministry. Now, let's go to the final chapter, which is chapter 7 itself. Very key. Maintaining your zeal. Zeal is passion. Zeal is enthusiasm. Zeal is what keeps you going. And zeal does not maintain itself. Okay, just like a marriage does not maintain itself. You have to maintain it. Ministry does not maintain itself. Nothing maintains itself. You, it's what you put in that you're able to use to maintain it. Okay? So you go through, you go through each of it, and then uh, page 33, why some lack zeal for the things of God and some doesn't like zeal. I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for you. And I want to believe God for something new and something fresh. I encourage you, take this booklet, especially if you have a connect group, your house group, whatever name you call it, yeah, use some of these to kind of teach and train and help people to restore people back because the spirit of weariness itself is so powerful that it can be very destructive. And there are people that may be there. Maybe it's through sorrow, through discouragement. Something happened through adversity. They've lost their edge and weariness have come in. And the things that used to be significant to them concerning the things of the spirit is no more significant. You know, just recently, and I say maybe a few, a few years ago, you know, coming up, just recently, my heart I've just been so much succulent, praying for people and praying for their needs. You know, sometimes when I close my eyes and I'm praying, and you just imagine the feeling of a, a person, what they're going through. If you've ever gone through anything and uh, somebody tells you about the situation that they're going, you just really feel it. And that heart of compassion, that heart itself, just releases a lot of grace. So I want to pray for you that this spirit of weariness itself never overcomes you. I can't say it won't come to you, 
because the enemy is going to try to attack us in any way. But when it comes to you, there is enough strength in you that you don't quit, you don't give up, you don't throw in the towel, you stay with God. And I mean, if all you know to do is Jesus, 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 the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, whatever you know to do, you just stay in the game itself because the wind that comes will eventually leave. And the enemy wants to be able to uproot you from where you are in God and bring you to a place in him that you are not adequately able to function. I cry for prayer. I call for prayer constantly. My intercessors are praying, and they pray constantly for me. Because you have to understand the enemy doesn't like you. He doesn't like you. He doesn't like the work of God. He doesn't like what is going on. You think the enemy loves this? All the building, the growth that is taking place, and you come, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. No, he doesn't like it. He's looking for an opportune time so that he can be able to do what he wants to do. The enemy doesn't operate in the air. The enemy uses people. He used places and he used things. And we want to believe God that when the moment comes, the enemy will not triumph itself. Are you listening to me? That the spirit of divination, that divine spirit, the Puton, that Python spirit itself never have control. Every day I pray since the revelation of this came to my spirit, I have been addressing the Python spirit. He's touching churches. He's touching leaders. He's touching believers. I mean, I wish you could see it in the spirit. How this serpentine spirit is overtaking the church. In fact, statistics says now divinations, the practice of black magic or witchcraft or, or, or evil spirit is dominating more in America and in Europe. People are flocking to it more. The Ouija board, psychic, Santeria, palm reading, and I mean uh, 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 water, uh, water mongering, uh, abstract traveling. Uh, there was, a, there, there was a, a brother that went to see his own father went to visit his father and, and decided to park his car far away because he was afraid that because he got a new car, the family member would be jealous of him. So he didn't want them to know. He wanted to give the impression that he just took a public transportation to come. When he got to the father's house, the father said, where's your car? He said, I don't have a car. The father said, I'm going to ask you again, where's your car? He said, I don't have a car. He said, okay, come. He brought a bowl of water and put it in a basin. He said, I want you to come, come and see your car. You pack it there. You say you don't have a car? See, this was the street that you packed the car. That was divination. He was able to conjure and go to the spirit. And many of you in your past, without knowing, 
you double in divination. Palm reading, you wanted to know your future. And a Ouija board and just all of this stuff. Psychic, those were divinations that impartations came into your life without you knowing. You're born again, your spirit is regenerated, but your soul gets affected by this spirit. Stand on your feet. I want you to say this with me. Today is the last day that the spirit of divination will dominate me or dominate this house in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for your people. I pray this. Father, I pray for your people. I pray for this church, Livingstone. I pray for the atmosphere. I pray for the building. I pray for every project that has been embarked on. I pray for the leadership team of this house. I pray for the young ones. I pray for everyone with families. Everyone with families. Even as I declare this, the enemy is beginning to plan what to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, I arrest every demonic backlash, every satanic backlash, every satanic backlash, every demonic control and spirit, spirit of bad news, spirit of negative news, spirit of grieving and mourning, spirit of accidents and incidents. Spirits of defeat and failure. Witchcraft spirits. Occultic, diabolical spirits. Words that have been spoken. Hands that have been pointed. Names that have been called in the wrong places. I arrest you, you foul spirit that is behind it. I arrest you all. I bind you all. I break and destroy your powers. I remove every cause. I remove every forces of darknesses. In the name of Jesus. 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 Father God, I call for the spirit of freedom to take place. Spirit of freedom to take place. Spirit of freedom to take place. Brand new church. Brand new people. Chains be broken and destroyed. I call forth wisdom, manifold wisdom, knowledge, insight, understanding, clarity to come upon your people and this house. The next phase will be greater. The enemy will not triumph. In the name of Jesus Christ, I cover everyone, everyone and their families with the blood of Jesus Christ. I cover this entire building. I cover the new building, the project from the beginning to the end. 
Every areas I cover it with the blood of Jesus Christ. Everyone that is participating in it, that your wisdom will come upon them. In the name of Jesus Christ, angels of the living God that have been assigned to living stone, I ask you, Father God, that you will work on behalf of this ministry and you will make sure that the will of the Father is done. Growth, 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 growth. Growth, 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 growth. For you have come into the hour and into the moment that I have ordained almost uh, 20-something years ago, specifically 21 years ago, that I will bring favor and I will do things that you've not seen. Now, this is just the beginning, says the Spirit of the Lord. I will begin a new training center that will begin to take place. And I will train people, and I will train people with the grace and with the anointing that are placed upon this house. For I have ordained this house to be a sending house, the house that send out, to be a blessing to the nations of the earth, to provide bread to other nations. And because I have ordained that, I will make sure that there is enough bread in this house, enough bread for you here, but enough bread for the nations of the earth, for the nations of the earth. Oh, you think when you complete the building, then everything will settle. No, I will cause you to begin to move again to another higher level and another higher level and another higher level. Modoki te le de mosuya. Empe lebi in kinta agoshko koluke in kita agrate. Sopromanga ikeskide lenduda in tekese le munta. I am doing this because this is what I have ordained. For a long time ago, you want me to bring revival. You want something to happen within your area. I was waiting to make sure that this base becomes built and strong and healthy. Now I will begin to cause the same thing that your heart has longed for to begin to take place. So get ready. You are at the verge of a revival that I am creating, says the Spirit of the Lord. It is not because of you that I'm doing this. It is because of what I have ordained in this region, in this land itself. That out of a small town I will create a voice. So get ready says the Spirit of God. Train, 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 train. Train, 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 train. 
For this is going to be the phases that I'm going to take you through. You will never have a need of being able to take care of what I call you to do, says the Spirit of the Lord. I am bringing enough bread that will so overwhelm you. But the breads are not designed to stay in the house. If you keep them in the house, they will roughen. The bread is partly to be released to feed the nations of the herd. I have trusted you. And because I have trusted you, I am doing it now. There is a new anointing and a new grace that I'm bringing to you again. It's a refreshing, just a refreshing, just a coolness that I'm bringing. So rest in me, says the Spirit of the Lord. Rest in me. Relax in me. I'm doing this. I'm taking care of this. And I will amaze you, says the Spirit of the Lord. And you will see my hand work on your behalf. Work on your behalf. Oh, the middle of August is a tremendous moment. I'm going to cause the sun to shine on you in a tremendous way. In the middle of August, I'm going to move some things together. I have begun to move it, rearrange some things. And I'm going to put you in a suitable position. And you will know that I've called you from your place to my place. And I will exalt my name in you and on your behalf. I'm going to lay my hands upon you. Can someone stand behind them, please? My father. My father, my father, I ask you for your grace, that undescribable grace. Benje gite ike pime budanga That uncommon anointing, the kind that strengthens, the kind that moves them from where they are to where they ought to be. That in spite of every seasons, the strength abides. The strength abides. Undescribable wisdoms and knowledge and insight. Father, wow them, wow them. It's like wow. Just wow them. I release upon you now a new anointing, a fresh anointing. I command it to come upon you. It will never depart from you. It will increase over and over and over.
Oh, my Father, empower them with a new grace. See differently, hear differently. Let your heart be illuminated. Your heart will never fail. Your heart will never fail. Your heart will be strengthened for every given moment, every given news, every given project. Your heart will never fail. Please, Lord, I just release it upon them. Strengthen their health. Mayaga, Kiliaga, Go, Mogute, Pepe, Lebinda, Zozokoto. May them never be distracted from any other thing. May the enemy never send the curveballs to them to distract them and cause them. So just focus and major on other things. Father, please, let the focus be on you. Shiligata, I decree this upon you now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Just lift up your hands, people of God. The rain will rain. The rain will rain. Let the rain, let the rain, let it rain. Let it rain, let it rain. Let it rain. Let every barren area become fruitful. Let every barren individual become fruitful. Every barren business become fruitful. Fruitfulness, 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 fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, fruitfulness, fruitfulness. Father, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Put your hands together. Let's bless the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Be seated. You've been just a wonderful, wonderful student. Just be seated. Um, I think uh, in the, probably in the first session I was talking to you, and I said you can only rise to the degree of light that you possess. I wrote a book on spiritual capacity and its growth, and it really helps you to understand the degree of light that you ought to be walking in, spiritual capacity and its growth. I don't know, we only probably, I don't know how many we got there. And then um, this is an experience of functioning in the spirit. It's called contending for the supernatural. Contending for the supernatural. The supernatural shouldn't be strange to us, but to most believers, it's very strange to to them. And then this was up to date. I think this is our second bestseller, Mastering Your Emotions. Now, if you don't have this, you need to. Okay, Mastering Your Emotions, uh, How to Control and Dominate the Negative Responses in Your Emotions. What happens is people in social work, social services, it is so blessful that they have to actually 
other days to also use. So it's not just for the church world, they also use it for um, the social world because, I mean, you have an emotion. If you don't know how to master it, it will actually control you. Then dealing with anxiety and worry, the destructive power of rejection, you know, very powerful. This we wrote during um, the COVID season. Uh, I think uh, coming out of the COVID season, it's called mastering crisis in your life. How to master crisis so that crisis don't dominate you. And if you've heard me said of all of my books that I wrote, the one that always impact me is this, the power of spiritual hunger. This is my secret. This is my secret. In here, I talked a lot about hunger, but I talked a lot about encounter. All you need is one encounter from God. And your life will never be the same. Yes. So this is, this is my secret. You know, and, uh, and sometimes when I think about it, I just feel it. Everyone that walk with God, that has a passion for God, had an encounter. And if you got one encounter, changes. Because sometimes, simply because you're born again, you think you know God. Until the rubber meets the road. And then you find out you didn't know him. You just accepted him. It is in the journey that you have that encounter. Jacob had one. He was different. Abraham had one. He was different. Everyone that had encounter. Paul had one. They were different. Everyone with an encounter, it changes their life. You don't even have to beg to be hungry. You just become so passionate. You become so passionate about God. I'm always attracted to people that are very passionate about God. I don't know why. It just, it just does something to me. There's a degree of hunger. You've been a great student. Invite people tomorrow, okay? Um, because tomorrow is going to be wonderful. I'm going to introduce you to a dimension that you've never known before. I have two assignments for you. You know, and by the way, I need to feel love. I need to feel love in Livingston because now I come in here, you know, and went to mom. I said, <laughs> there, is the, there is the secret thing that she has to do, you know, that every time when I come to Livingston, I have to go through that, okay? So even if everybody loves me and if she has not... <laughs> I love you guys. Thank you so much for the word of God. Come on, let's receive it.